your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. Well, this month you may have been shocked by some of the reports that have emerged regarding superbugs resistant to standard antibiotics which could claim a life every three seconds around the world by the year 2050. Uh, that would suggest 10 million people every year. This is according to a report by Rand Europe and Auditors KPMG. They produced a world map and Asia would be hit hardest according to that world map. Let's bring in Professor Bill Keevil, Chair in Environmental Healthcare within the Centre for Biological Sciences at the University of Southampton. Good morning to you from Seoul. Good morning. And I know you've been putting together your own report on the existence of these superbugs within agricultural soil. Is there a strong connection between that and the health emergency facing humanity? I think, I think there is. Um, I think the first thing to say is we have to remember when life on this planet started. Um, the first bacteria we think came to the Earth about three billion years ago. And then they were, they were followed by the fungi. Uh, that was about one billion years ago. Now, fungi produce antibiotics, and bacteria fight fungi, and fungi fight bacteria. So there's been an arms race for hundreds of millions of years. So bacteria have actually already been adjusting to life in the presence of antibiotics. So when Alexander Fleming first discovered penicillin in the 1920s, you could argue that some of the bacteria were already primed to go because the penicillin came from a fungus, penicillium. So when the penicillin was first used, Fleming actually warned people, he said, be careful because antibiotic resistance may occur. And, of course, he was absolutely right. Within a few years of penicillin being first used, resistance appeared. Then we had our second generation, cephalosporins, in the 1950s, and resistance appeared. More recently, we've had the carbapenems in the 1970s, and we've now got extensive resistance against those. So it's an arms race. We keep losing. We're trying to keep one step ahead. However, the bacteria keep evolving and mutating to build up resistance. Now, one of the big issues is the fact that antibiotics are used extensively in farming. Um, there's a lot of intensive animal rearing, mm. cattle, pigs, chickens, what have you. And um, farmers regularly use high concentrations of antibiotics as growth promoters. So these animals are getting a lot of antibiotics, ton amounts, and of course what they do is they produce manures. And what happens to the manures? Well, the manures are put on the land. Now, if you go through a copper composting process, you might kill a lot of the bacteria, but there's still antibiotics in those manures. They get into the ground and we know the antibiotics can survive in soil for long periods. They can be taken up by plants. So we eat the plants or animals eat, eat the plants. And so we have a vicious cycle. Mm. And 
so one of the, the things we're doing at the moment is in our new study funded by the British government is to ask basic questions like, do we have a lot of antibiotic resistance genes in agricultural soils? We'll be looking primarily in the UK at sandy soil, clay soil and loam soil. Um, we'll ask, do we have a lot of bacteria in the soil that have resistance genes, what we call the resistome, so it's the pool of genes. Um, is it an important reservoir in the environment that we can actually cycle antibiotic resistance through the food chain? And then what happens if superbugs come into that environment, again through feces and manure, do the superbugs pass their antibiotic resistance to the soil bacteria, or is it the other way around? Do some of the soil bacteria already have antibiotic resistance, and they're going to tra transfer the genes back to mm. the superbugs, and they're going to become even more superbug. Mm. So, I mean, would it be fair to say you're expecting there has been some human impact, a strong human impact even, on the development of the warfare between the bacteria and the the fungi, uh, or uh, would this have been inevitable anyway, based on what you said before? I think, I think it's inevitable, but, uh, you know, but of course these processes have happened over hundreds of millions of years, and shall we say relatively discreet, um, you know, localised low concentrations of antibiotics. What we're doing at the moment, of course, we're pumping tonnes of mm. the modern antibiotics into the environment. So anyone who has a course of antibiotics they excrete antibiotics in their feces. Yes. And of course that you know, may go direct to land or it may go to a wastewater treatment works. The animals are excreting the um, antibiotics and the superbugs in their manures. And of course that's from farming. We mustn't forget wild animals and birds. You know, so wild animals may also be acquiring these resistance genes, these resistance superbugs, and then they walk across farmland or the birds fly over farmland. And again, they're leaving manures behind, which will you know, trigger the cycle all over again. Professor Keevil, it's a nightmarish future, the idea that superbugs will plague us across the world. Is there a probiotic solution, though, perhaps? Because I, I wonder that whether the soil's yep. also teeming with friendly bacteria. We could engineer uh, against the bacteria instead of using traditional antibiotics. Well, that, that's a very good point because, you know, we talk of nature and ecology, and there's a competition. And we know that some species fight other species. And, in fact, we see this beautifully in the human colon, where... Um, health, healthy people, if they get an infection, they might then take an antibiotic. That antibiotic disturbs their gut flora, and then we get superbugs such as Clostridium difficile that are resistant to the antibiotic. They then take over. They're mm. always there, but they were suppressed by our natural flora in our um, colon. Uh, but because the antibiotics wipe out the natural flora, then this dangerous pathogen takes over. So, so, yes, you know, there is a, a, a lot of people now advocating probiotics and particularly this concept of a fecal transplant where we now know that certain people have got very healthy um, colon bacteria and you can take their feces and add those feces to people with a <laughs> diseased colon yes. and you can actually restore a 
healthy balance. I mean, that, it, it sounds revolting, frankly, but if that's mm. the way to do it, this is a health emergency potentially at stake, and, and perhaps it could help uh, from what you're saying. When we're choosing a probiotic in the absence of uh, finding someone's healthy feces, would you recommend any particular number of CFUs? Sometimes you see products with 30 billion, 10 billion, some as little as 1 billion. Do, does it matter as much as the actual quality of, of what the bacteria are that we're putting into ourselves? I think, I think it's, it's the quality because we're only just now, after only 5 to 10 years of um, sequencing you know, the human body and what we call the microbiome. You know, so that's the population that many of the uh, the body sites we're just starting to understand the microbiology each of those sites and we're just starting to realize that there are certain key species at each of those sites which have uh, a beneficial effect um, on our health so it's not the fact that you can take 10 billion bacteria what you have to do is take the right species of mm. bacteria producing the right molecules to give you a healthy balance. Yeah, so often uh, the better priced products anyway uh, will have at least 10 different strains of bacteria, some of which are the kind that you will find in soil, which bring, brings me back mm. to your work. Um, Very much so. Well, I mean, uh, there's an old wives' tale that children should be encouraged to eat a gram of soil a day. <laughs> and... Um, and, and, and that builds up your, your normal immunity and, you know, gives you a healthy gut flora. And part of the issue, some people have argued, is that because many people now live in the cities, which are relatively clean, they're not actually getting this exposure to some of these bacteria, healthy bacteria, as well as the superbugs, that they would see out in the countryside when they were young children. Professor Keevil, in conclusion, we've only got a few seconds remaining... Mm. Do you really think, though, probiotics would be sufficient to hold this superbug problem at bay, or, or is another more radical solution needed? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, we're just um, looking to hold back the tide until industry can come out with new classes of antibiotic. You know, we have the saying, prevention is better than cure, particularly when there is no cure. Well, we're losing all the silver bullets that the antibiotics gave us to fight these, you know, terrible superbug infections. So we desperately need industry to come out with new classes. That doesn't happen quickly. So we're having to try everything we can to try and, you know, um, hold back the emergence of the next generation of superbugs. We've seen that, for example, with the emergence of colistin. Mm. Um, colistin uh, has, has been called by many the antibiotic of last resort primarily because when it was first produced in the 1960s, it was quite toxic, so no one prescribed it. So as the superbugs evolved, they were not exposed to colistin. So for the past four or five years, it's been very useful for clinicians as a last resort to save mm -hmm. a patient. The problem is colistin has been heavily used in agriculture in Asia, and we're now seeing colistin-resistant superbugs emerging. It's frightening. Which of course, is, is not good news. Too much short-term thinking, it seems, has put us in this place, Professor Keevil. Thank you very much. Mm.
Okay, thank you. Professor Bill Keevil from the University of Southampton. Uh, one of the uh, issues that we've also seen come up on our show, we've spoken about, th- about it, is uh, there isn't really the financial incentive for companies to produce antibiotics that will be inf- effective, but which will just be left on the sidelines. We've got to change that attitude as well. You can email us, efmthismorning at gmail.com.